Yub-nub Yichapi yub-nub Atomi dubichiki Gnoop dog fling Oh ah Welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. We are the Who Dat Jedi. My name's Aaron, and I'm with Dave and Fredo again. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. And if we're a video podcast, which we I don't think we'll ever be a video podcast because, you know, yeah. But uh, you would see that Dave is rocking the K-State colors and gear. It's like it's alumni day or something. I didn't wear my Husker stuff. So, um, um, Fredo, where'd you go to college? Uh, undergrad, I did at Christian Brothers University in Memphis, Tennessee. Which, right you know, we don't have we don't even have a football team. It was a really small school. Uh, and then grad school, I did at Suno at Southern University at New Orleans. Right on. So uh, yeah, but anyway, we yeah we'll just yeah Dave's Dave's all K State and and like I said, I'm Nebraska and we're friends. So um, you you dig the uh, the the poster that I brought back from my dad's house. Um, it's uh it's an old big eight poster it's a it's a cartoon drawing of all the big eight mascots like chasing after each other and oh, yeah. yeah it's I, it it's really really it's really really cool um, back when I've there were that. actually eight teams in the big eight when there was actually eight teams in the big eight yeah, yeah. pretty what now the big 12 is now what kansas and ku or k-state and ku is that what we got yeah, iowa state no. <laughs> and o- okie state and uh yeah a few so, others we'll see what happens yeah well you know I uh, I just want a day when I can actually brag about Nebraska. And right now, well, the only thing we're you know can be bragging about is the amount of people that leave our football team. But anyway, okay, I digress. Um, so uh, tonight, this episode, we're going to complete the uh, the original trilogy special edition changes. And I, you know, we're, where are we going to go through each change? We're going to talk about love it, you know, meh or hate it. I'm going to make a, a prediction that there's going to be a lot of hate it's in this one. Um, but who knows? There might be a surprise love it in there. You never know. Um, we might have some controversy at one point. Um, but so listen, we'll find out. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, I do have to say the Hoodat Jedi podcast, we're going to talk a little Hoodat here. The Saints, I was so excited because the Saints signed uh, Brett Maher as the kicker, he was from Nebraska, you know, and went and played for the Dallas Cowboys. And then he plays in one game and now he's waived because he destroyed his groin as well. So it's like, if you no, no, (laughs) that was happening. No, his didn't, his didn't explode. I don't believe, um, that was, uh, uh, that was our other kicker. Gosh. Hello. Oh, Will Lutz. Will Lutz, yeah. Go on. So we keep having growing issues. So this is going to be like the defense against the dark arts position for the Saints, I think. Uh, <laughs> or a spinal tap drummer. Wear, yeah. Wear a cup if you, you know, or protect your groin, kids. Um, so anyway. Um, that's, a, that's just a general good rule for life. I think so, too. I think so, you know, too. We're willing to stand on that as the Huda Jedi, protect your groin. Yes, protect, your, protect the groin. Uh, episode 10 <laughs> all right so uh but anyway okay well you know it is what it is um so good, good luck to both those kickers um 
Anyway, all right, well, let's do some trivia and get us into some Star Wars stuff. Enough talking about the groin. Um, all right, Dave, we're going to start with you. Oh, I have to go with the rule. First one I see. So here's a softball to you. Who explains to Anakin space is cold? Uh, uh, Padme. I was gonna say now I feel bad like I you know just yeah, yeah I think it was Padme right it was Padme yes yeah. what yeah. what made you pause who'd you who'd well, you it, I knew it was on this I knew it was on the ship when he first got off planet but basically all the other main characters are on the ship with him at that point so I had to actually think through and try to visualize that's, it that's when he starts being all manipulative you know it's like he's trying to be all sad just to get the girl you know so. Um, all right, well, Fredo, again, first one I look at. Man, another another softball one here. What Jedi Master does Chancellor Palpatine accuse of treason? Do you want me to give all four or just the main one? If you can name all four, I'd be, I'd, I'd, yeah, that'd be, yeah, no, I'll no, give you no, bonus okay. points. Give give the correct answer first. Mace Windu. All right, now go for the other three. Okay, I know for a fact Kit Fisto and yeah. Sassy Tin were there. I There's just two of them. can't remember the fourth one. What was the last one? Mm, I don't know. Hold on. Hold Let's on. look it up. So Kit Fisto, well, Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, Sassy Tin, and uh, yeah, there's there should be one more. There's one more because there were four. Uh, it was... Hold on, no, no, by the and, way. And, and Bob. Bob. <laughs> Bob the Jedi. All right, while you're looking, I'll read my question here so we don't have dead air while Fredo's you know, Googling. Um, what duo, quote, must never again leave this city according to Vader's initial deal with Lando? Well, that would be Leia and the Wookiee. Yep, so, but they say Chewbacca. So, but it's Chewbacca and Princess Leia. Makes you wonder what was going to happen to C-3PO. Was he just going to melt him down? I don't know. Did he remember C-3PO? Uh, okay. So, Kid Fisto, Sassy Tin, Agent Kolar. Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, I, I had three out of the four. Of course. I did not remember Agent Kolar. All I remember him is going, Ag- getting stabbed, going, oh! Agent, Agent Carter? No, not agent. No T. Which, by the way, we didn't really talk about this. So, uh, I'm just daughter number three. Just like uh, two minutes here, guys. Um, Marvel, what if the first episode? Fun. I liked it. It was really good. I dug it. I thought it was cool. Dave, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I think I like it in concept better than practice. Like, um, I'm not sure how I feel about the animation style. See, and Uh, that's the thing that I dug about. I said the thing that I liked it that they they animated it like a comic book. Mm-hmm. It was very much like a comic book, you know, in this age of when you can do so much, you know, and Clone Wars has taken it to like a 3d almost, you know? Um, but, uh, it was very much comic book. So I thought that was cool. I thought that was a cool choice, but mm-hmm. you, you disagree slightly or yeah, you're you know, ambivalent I, about I, it. Yeah. Kind of, kind of meh about it, but, um, I like the story and I like that concept behind the show. And so, you know, it'll be entertaining to continue to watch. I don't really have a huge complaint there at all. You know, what does bother me though. 
But it bothers me when you have the actual actor voicing and you can't tell. It's like Bucky Barnes did not sound like Sebastian Stan. At, I mean, I was like, that, that's Bucky Barnes, really? It's like, did they yeah. just pull him in for like two? Hey, psh, Sebastian, come in here. Just say this. <laughs> Mo- yeah, most of the other performances were the original actors or, or at least somebody who could like do a really good impression. Mm-hmm. And Bucky, you're right, was pretty terrible. <laughs> well, the thing is that that is Sebastian Stan. It was. That's it was Sebastian like, Stan. It yeah. is. It's actually him. But yeah, he they, mailed that one in. They they trained him or they coached him up and told him to do it this different way, and it's it stands out a bit. It's like wait a minute, you sound a bit more like in a higher tone. Like he's more like he's doing a caricature of Bucky Barnes. Maybe he was he... practicing his Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that now makes more sense. That makes I'm more just sense. Saying. So uh no. the the new episode. Okay, go ahead, Fredo. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Yeah. New episode supposed to what come out tomorrow. Tomorrow, I think, right? Wednesday? Yeah, yeah, Wednesday. Yeah. It's it's a fun thing. I mean, particularly now since Bad Batch was finished. Hey, what if? There you go. And I I love I mean, the it, it the what if line, there used to be a comic book series from Marvel called mm-hmm. What If. And that's one of the fun things. It's they could get a bit out there, silly, sometimes scary. That's where the whole Marvel zombies kind of stand out of. And where, you know, they used to have like, a, what if Deadpool killed the Marvel Universe? What if this happened? What if... So a lot, of, a lot of this stuff that became big about 20 years ago kind of sprouted out of this idea of the what if. So, you know, I would not actually be opposed to um, Star Wars stealing this idea and for example, what you know? What if Luke doesn't? What if he does just take Obi Wan only to most Eisley and then you know Skidoodles home? You know that type of thing. I I, mm-hmm. I actually I actually would not mind that. Um, but hey, um, that's that's for another podcast another day. And by the way, speaking about another podcast another day, um, the Bad Batch next week we will be uh, doing our. We'll sit down. We'll talk about nothing but Bad Batch since that just finished up on Friday. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I'll, we'll save our, our punditry for, uh, next week's episode. Um, so all right, Fredo, what's going on in Star Wars news this week? So it's interesting that you mentioned what if, because there was a nice article in the Hollywood Reporter talking about what if and casting and voice acting. And this discuss, of course, that this is, uh, whenever we get to the episode with Black Panther will be the final performance of Black Panther by Chadwick Boseman. In the middle of all this, they start talking about, uh, you know, the fact the transition of live action characters to animation. They discuss Star Wars, how so many uh, Star Wars characters are making the opposite transition, going from animation to live action. You know, they bring the example of Ahsoka, and then they drop this line. Now, uh, now yeah, I'm just going to quote from the Heart of Lore article. Now, Rosario Dawson is leading a live-action Ahsoka spin-off for Disney+. Plus, With sources saying Lucasfilm is looking for an actress to star opposite Dawson as Mandalorian warrior Sabine Wren. So, I mean, it's not up a surprise. We know Sabine's going to get cast. We know mm-hmm. Sabine's going to be in this show. But this is kind of like the first big, okay, this is really happening. We're going to get a live-action Sabine, which... You know, a lot of the fans have been pushing for the voice actress. Um, what's her name? 
Tia Sarkar, uh, and, she and is, she's, and she's like, not she's you. not just a voice actress. She is mm-hmm. uh, she is an actress. She's been in movies. I mean, there's you can make the argument that like um, um, Ashley Eckstein is a great voice actress, but she hasn't been in front of a camera. She hasn't done you know on screen acting. Vanessa Marshall, same thing. Vanessa Marshall is a wonderful person. That's the voice of Hera, but doesn't done a lot. But Tia has done a bunch of stuff for TVs, mo- TV movies, and so, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to step right in it. I, I, it's like, uh, you know, it's different skin tone. That's what it seems to me that, uh, you know, maybe we don't cast her because it, it, because it's Sabine's, you know, as the, as the animation is more light skinned and Tia is, you know, um, not, you know, and, and I think that's crap if that if that is the case. And it's it's just, you know, I don't I don't know. And I know I'm just reading way too much into it, probably. But um, the thing I will say, and I but if I was to say anything to Lucasfilm, if anybody was saying, you know, well, I don't, I don't know, maybe I should. Am I am I like totally jumping off the bridge too much here? No, because there's I mean, there's a natural inclination to go, wait a minute. They clearly have an idea of what the character is supposed to look like in live action. So I'm going to pause you there for a second because that's the, okay. So I, that, that's when I think you can take the argument that, you know, Dave Filoni even said in the Mandalorian when they had the dark sabers, like, you know, the, the cartoons, the animation stuff is like an artist's interpretation of live action. Right. Right. So So, I think, I think they could have some wiggle room and cast whoever they want to. mm -hmm. But that's kind of my point is, that wiggle room also exists on the opposite end of if you want to cast Tia, do so. And that's, and that's, so I don't, and, and maybe, and maybe she's already been offered the part and she turned it down or maybe she's been offered it and she can't say anything about it or anything like that. But there should be no reason in the world why they, I mean, they've got the person who did the voice and who isn't, you know, an actress and just, you know, go. Sorry. I, you know, like, I think the cli- the current climate would indicate to me that they'll probably give her every opportunity um because like again you're going to get so much blowback for the reasons that you just listed aaron and so like they're going to want to avoid that if they can so i think they will give her an opportunity to read for it um she may not get it because she didn't have a good day reading or you know it, it she may not have no chemistry with Rosaria or somebody else who's been cast in this show. And so it's just like, there's a lot of reasons why they wouldn't go that direction. That right. Then, and I know, you know, and I know I'm jumping I'm the cart before the horse and five miles down the road and jumping off the mm-hmm. third bridge. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm way, I got, yeah, just way ahead of things and assuming a lot. Well, but, to be fair, look, cause the art, you know, the point that you're making comes also into effect when we discuss the casting of Thrawn, which the fan base is adamant that they want Lars Mikkelsen because he voiced the character in Rebels. Now, obviously, Lars Mikkelsen is a white dude. He's not blue. There are no blue skinned people. What? So, what? yeah, I know, I know, I know, no. I know. A, they're just what? blue. They're, they're just people who wear blue depending on which college they go to. <laughs> but that being said, uh, it's more on the lines of former you know, president was orange. Well, just, just saying. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> that's true. No, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, the idea that because they're, I mean, they, they have 
know, Dave Filoni and the guys doing Star Wars, they have an idea of what they want for the character in live action. If the actor who voiced the character in animation can fit that role and you want to give them the chance and they want to say yes, cool. I, guess, uh, I think I guess one of the smart point... things that Filoni has shown is, and Star Wars have shown is, they get the casting basically right. Yeah. Even 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 when the actor comes back, you go, wow, you know. But uh, by and large, I get the casting right for the role. Yeah, no, I, I, I would be on board with her, um, with Tia Sirkar being uh, Sabine in live action. I That's one I would not have an issue with. Yeah. And again, I, I, I do, I, because it's like coming from animation to live action, like I said, I liked it hearing Dave, Dave Filoni say that, that there's you got basically got some wiggle room because it's an artist's interpretation of what happened in real life. So, you know, you can you can get around some of that and i like that 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 gives them the freedom to do what they want right but then they have with great power comes great responsibility right uh um so you have to then use that for good and not whitewash everything right to your point and so like we're going to be watching with great interest, as the <laughs> chancellor said. You know, well, yeah, we and... want to make sure they don't whitewash this character. <laughs> now, one other thing I was going to say, I just looked up uh, TSR Car Sage is 39, and I'm thinking, you know what? I would love to have an adult. I mean, because we got to see Sabine in Rebels as a young woman, a girl, and then a young woman. This is supposed to be the character grown up, mature. If you cast a, you know, somebody younger, you could get some of that element, but I think casting her at this point in time in her life, maybe she could bring a bit more maturity and it'd be interesting to see the character that, you know, she's lived with for so long now in a different point of her life. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think, um, with, with, with these, the voice actors, you know, from rebels and clone wars and stuff like that coming in the possibility of live action, like I said, I think, if you if they have the voice and they have the acting chops in front of a camera, then I don't see why you would even, you know, it, because it's like, I mean, half the time, let's let's, I mean, half the time Sabine's going to be wearing a Mandalorian helmet anyway, you know, um, and even if it was, um, and the person who would be Hera, if that's going to be in any, you know, show sometime, is going to be a green Twi'lek, so it's like, you know you know there's i'm just saying there's you know if they've got the acting chops and they did the voice then cool you know but if it's just a voice for example ashley Eckstein, i have nothing against her but i mean could you guys you know i, I mean that i couldn't see that ahsoka role on you know i don't know i don't know anyway it's, it's like you said it's another point against or for an actress or an actor getting that role it's like are you used to doing live action and if you are then that's something that you're going to have but be better equipped to do well and you're going to get more consideration i i get that argument i think what i'd like to say is that the reason that it's it's fun hearing us get kind of fired up about this because um we care about those characters so much and that just tells you like how successful rebels was as a series so if anybody's listening to this and hasn't watched Rebels yet, you need to watch Rebels. All right. So real quick, we're going to take a we're going to take a little detour because you uh, you, you engaged us on uh, Twitter about or somebody did. They reached out to us about uh, ranking the best uh, ranking the animated series. Mm -hmm. And I haven't given mine yet because 
uh, sometime this is going to be have to be a, another we're going to have to make a whole other episode about this because yeah. did you guys when you made your rankings is it did you rank them as the best and may, this is all rhetorical right now uh, you don't have to get into this but did you rank these yes these are the best based on this criteria or did you rank these are my favorite because I have a feeling that when a lot of people, I'm not saying you two, but when a lot of people come up with their rankings, it tends to be, these are my favorite. And so yeah. I guess, I guess I would want to know, you know, what criteria are we using to, you know, you know, I well, may, I may not have enjoyed resistance, but maybe from an animation you know, standpoint, it was better than something else. I don't know. So it was interesting because the question asked, rank them according to Season one, so it was only the first season that you were considering. You're not considering the whole show. Rank them according to which one you thought was the best. So the criteria for me was a combination of how well it told the story for that one season, uh, the animation style, how well it looked, and then uh, just how did the characters come together. So I think that's that's where my uh, rankings kind of came in on. Because, it, you know, there's some stuff in Legna, because you, you can take say something like Clone Wars, seven seasons, you know, and you can put that right at the very top. But you go back and watch that season one, you're like, <laughs> there's some, there's some growth here that's going to be happening. There, there was, there was some episodes of Clone Wars that like, was it going to Sunday school? You're just doing there because mom told you to go, you know, it was tough. I mean, there's some, but anyway, um, you know what I like about the Clone Wars season one, though, is like, you could make the argument for, that season because the highs are very high you know like again the, the lows are low but um the the highs are very high too so um so somebody could say well i'm gonna stump for clone wars here and i'd love to hear that argument so but, yeah sorry i took us down a down a winding path there for a second but uh, i think this has to be another episode sometime well, yeah, we and will, we, will and we, we'll have to develop criteria and we'll see if your guys list change because i'd you know i'd yeah, I didn't want to get into the ranking thing, but um, all right, sorry, more news. Uh, yeah, more news. So more news. Uh, there was an interview over on Wired uh, with Taika Waititi. Uh, they were discussing all his projects, kind of stuff he's got on the plate. So he just says he just finished doing uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, he's supposed to be working on a sequel to what we do in The Shadows, the movie, not the TV show. Uh, he's doing an animated remake of Flash Gordon, which I had no idea about that. That is awesome. I want that in my life. Uh, he's doing two animated series for uh, Netflix based on uh, Royal Doll stories. He's doing a live action adaptation of Akira, the seminal anime classic, which anime will come into the show in just a few minutes. But they ask him, of course, about his Star Wars film. So he goes, quote, it's still in the exterior space stage. He laughs, but we've got a story really excited by it because it feels very me so the interview asked him has it been a challenge to marry your tone which is irreverent with the operatically sincere star wars universe he says i quote i tend to go down that little sincerity alleyway in my films i like to fool the viewer into thinking ah it's this and then them going damn it you made me feel something end quote so big takeaway they got a story they're working on it uh he is trying to give you that Taika Waititi-ness of his uh, other stuff in Star Wars, and he thinks he's got it down, don't crack the code, and I don't do that. Now, here's my deal, is that I, I have no problem with irreverence, you know, in, you know, 
you didn't tell the story. I mean, you, you made the about the operatic style and stuff like that. I mean, there are there are irreverent operas. There are you know, I mean, there. Are, I mean, what I, I what I don't really think I'm ready for is a straight up comedy, comedy? yuck yuck. You well, know, no, because for because for example, like Force Awakens has a lot of really, I mean, really good irreverence. Yeah. Particularly the banter between Han and Finn. You know, there's a lot of irreverence and, and, and Finn and BB-8. There's irreverence. Well, there see, between... it's the Irvin Kirshner line of "I needed, I needed humor without gags." Exactly. So I think, I mean, so there's already humor. I mean, and you know, whether it's that or whether it's Han and Chewie, and you know, and whether it's Empire Jedi. So we already have established some of those ideas yeah. in Star Wars. So if you if, if you hew towards that end, I think most people will be fine. I guess, yeah, you can't have the Marx Brothers and not at the opera in Star Wars. That's where you go a bit too far, probably. Have, uh, Aaron, have you seen Jojo Rabbit or Hunt for the Wilder People? No, huh? Okay. Uh, both of homework? those films. Well, yeah, um, if you want to get a better sense for his, uh, his sensibilities. Because, again, I know that Thor Ragnarok didn't resonate with you. Um, and, again, it's pretty irreverent. Uh, so I get that, but um, Jojo Rabbit is uh, a very emotional flick. Um, Hunt for the Wilder People is as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd check either of those out just to get a better sense of like, oh, okay, he's he's kind of his whole again. He said it himself, um, which is a little pretentious, <laughs> but uh, I think he's right. Um, he tries to hit you over the head with irreverence and make you think that it's just silly and fun games. And then, oh, wait, we're actually learning something here. And, oh, gosh, I'm feeling something here. And, uh, yeah, it's it can be a little subtle at times. Something like what we do in the shadows is an excellent show of that. It's because the whole I, I totally I'm sorry. I totally thought you were going to say it's like what we do on the podcast. No, well, maybe I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to, you know, drink blood or you know, stick vampires. But no, that's it's his movies very reverent. The TV show that it's based on is hilariously amazing. If you ever see, if you ever see Mark Hamill makes a guest appearance in it for a few episodes as a very operatic 19th century vampire, and he is just hemming it the heck up. So uh, I would recommend something like that to get started. And that, love Jojo yeah. Rabbit because Jojo Rabbit is really good. But when it gets heavy, like it gets heavy because it gets really heavy. Um, what what we do in the shadows is just really really funny. I'm not going to say that it's as funny as Animal House, Aaron. But ah, uh, good, okay. It, uh, uh, it, it no, the funniest movie since Animal House. Yeah. Well, or The Hangover. It's probably not the funniest movie since The Hangover. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I can't can't beat The Hangover. Uh, last bit of news then before we get into the extended editions is we got a trailer drop today for Star Wars Visions, the anime inspired uh, short uh, animation series coming to Disney Plus. They officially announced it's coming out September 22nd, which let me check the calendar just to make sure it is this. While, while you're checking the calendar, I'm going to say just I went from I yep, really Wednesday. could. I could have really given a hoot about it to I'm intrigued when they, we had that little behind the scenes type of thing. And now I'm looking forward to it after seeing this trailer. So I've, I've, the pendulum has swung with me on this one. Yeah. It's really good. Like uh, growing up with anime, I mean, 
it's just funny growing up in a crowd. We used to get a lot of Japanese animation. I mean, everything from uh, Speed Racer to uh, Robotech to everything like that. And then here, just getting more of it. So, see, I always gone Star Wars anime. It makes so much sense because there's mm -hmm. so much Japanese. That's the way a lot of the Marvel, the Marvel comics when they first came out looked. Mm -hmm. And with that sensibility, really, I mean, it, it was interesting. I, I don't know. Um, but no, I, but, I swung after seeing this trailer. I was like, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this now. I remember the Animatrix when that yeah. came out. Yes. And uh, like right around when the Matrix sequels were coming out and just thinking, well, this is a this is a fun marriage. I think it's a good marriage. And then watching the Animatrix and thinking, wow, yeah, that was a good marriage. And. Uh, that was my initial thought with this was like, yeah, of course this should work. Um, if you if you give it the time to nurture it and develop it the way that it should be um, and you get the right people as, uh, associated with the project, it'll it'll turn out great. And it's looking like it has turned out great. So I'm excited for it, too. Yeah. One of the, one of the wonderful things about animation is that it allows you to do stuff that you really can't do live action without either tremendous cost or tremendous risk. Mm -hmm. uh, animation just lets you flow and you can depict a great sense of power and scale and speed that, again, you start doing that stuff in live action and it looks janky and it looks kind of weird to our eyes. So doing that, or you know, an animation is famous for doing that, everything from Dragon Ball C through My Hero Academia, you, know, you have all that. So I'm putting it with Star Wars to just... It's like peanut butter and chocolate coming together. You know, Fredo, too, the other thing um, is that animation, look at Pixar and look at how they're able to sort of tap into people's emotions in a really affecting way. Like, I I cry my yeah, eyes out. In a out. short amount of time, too, like in a yeah. five-minute short. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm like bawling watching some of these movies, and I'm thinking, like, I, I could watch, you know, a live-action film and not have as deep an emotional connection to the material as I'm having watching this. And so the medium itself, I think is just, it can be just extraordinarily powerful. And, and so I, I always, we, I mean, we're probably preaching to the choir with most of our audience because we talk a lot about the cartoons mm -hmm. animation on this show. Um, but I think like if you haven't given some of it a try, you should probably give some of it a try because uh, it can be really, really good. Absolutely, yeah. It's it, it's a it's a medium for telling stories, and if you got a good story, it doesn't matter what the mechanism is for giving it to you. You will eat it right up. <laughs> it's the it's the simplest thing. It doesn't, you know. People get oh, you know, it's a cartoon. It's whatever. No, if it's a good story, people will follow it and they'll they'll latch onto it. That's that's the crux of it. Anyway, so yeah, that drops up Wednesday, September 22nd. So uh, they said nine episodes for season one. I believe they already agreed to do a season two. Yeah, so. they're going to drop them all at once, I believe. So this is not going to be a uh, one <laughs> we week do. at a time. So, yeah. So it'll be, uh, okay, I'm staying put for the next three days until I watch them all. Well, they're probably going to be what, like about, and that's it. We don't, we don't know what the time we is know. on any of these. So, I mean, yeah, you I could mean, be done in a half I mean, hour. Um, I mean, if you do something like like what Dave was saying, like the Animatrix was about three hours, because some segments were four or five minutes, some segments were like ten minutes, so it could vary tremendously. Again, 
depending on the story. Yeah. I think that movie was about an hour and a half, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think so, because so, they put it out to theaters. And then, like, you know, the comparison, I think, I, I'll bring it, circle back to Pixar again. Like, they, they put out these DVDs, which is like a collection of their animated shorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would buy those for our kids, and they would just sit there and just watch and just be like invested like they couldn't handle a full-length pixar movie because it was just like too much sensory overload too emotional whatever um but the shorts they could just sit there and watch and just love it so i i like i really like that they're releasing them all together like this i think it'll be effective yeah all right well thank you fredo for the news and uh let's get on to uh Return of the Jedi Special Edition. And uh, here's, where Jed, here's, here's where David supplies his Jedi rocks. Well, and the eat well, okay, so that, that's the first one right out of the gate. We're. <laughs> We're uh, we're on Wikipedia when we're talking about the special edition, and so we're just going through the the changes they say is on here, and we're gonna say love it, meh, or hate it. And the first one out of the gate is a new Max Rebo band musical number, Jedi Rocks replaces Loppy Neck, um, and Ula is now accompanied by three backup dancers. Some other footage is added from the extended music video of Loppy Neck. I Those hated this music video. I don't know. I I hated every I hated every ounce of this. Every ounce. <laughs> I just hated it. I... Every ounce of film footage of it. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think the thing is, whereas some of the other changes were done to fix stuff that was degrading or stuff that couldn't match the technology at the time in 1977 or whatever, this is the first time that I think they literally made something just to see how it would work in the movie. Now, we're talking last week, a lot of this stuff was done as a precursor to see if they could do it for the what would become the prequels. This is the first step that I go, oh, you put this in to see how it would look in a big screen when you do this as Nadia. And it's he, just, oh my God. And who was who this guy that they had to end? <laughs> <laughs> The, anima- the animation for it was just awful. I mean, and Size Noodles, her, the mouth, like, I know he, they were really... With the lips? I mean, yeah, they were really upset that it, it didn't have a lot of articulation. The puppet didn't, you know, back in 82 or whatever it was. And so what they have to, okay, now we can, George, you know, and they have this, you know, zoom in thing, but... And, and the All backup right, again, dancers and Boba Fett flirting with the backup dancers is just. Uh, I like Boba Fett flirting with the backup dancers. I, that didn't know, bother like, me as much, I guess. But I mean, yeah. the rest of it did. I, again, <laughs> again, I, I kind of wish we were a video podcast right now <laughs> because Aaron has the action figure like up against the camera right now. Yeah. It's singing. Um and yeah, the, and the frog playing yeah. harmonica. I mean, ugh, sorry. You know, like, okay, so you know, we talked about the difference between watching this the first time in theaters back in 1997 versus watching it on subsequent viewings. This one, 
was weird right from the get-go. Like, it looked like Men in Black or something. The animation, like, the aliens were all wrong. They didn't look Star Wars. Well, they okay, so, like they were from a different universe, from Men in Black or something. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it, I would agree with that 100%. And the thing, here's the other thing. Okay, so it's not because they changed it, and I was 10 years old when Return of the Jedi came up and says, get off my lawn thing. But it, if you think about, I mean, come on, guys. We live in New Orleans where the, you know, where the mob got its start, for crying out loud. And so the mob boss, the jazz band that's going to be playing in the mob boss's hangout is not going to have a full, you know, horn section. And it's not going to go, you know, and have a beating the crap out of a bunch of drums. It's going to be a small combo of a bunch of nondescript guys that know that we're going to go play jazz for the mob boss. Don't say anything. Just play the gig and we get out, you know. It, so it was, it was, it was too over the top for what I for Jabba's Palace too, because that's the other thing. It's Jabba's Palace. I mean, they make it. I mean, the introduction, all the the scenery is dark. It's grimy. It's menacing. It's foreboding. The whole idea is this place. You enter it, you may not walk out. But in the middle of that, hey kids, let's stop and have a dance number. Who did that? By the way, you're actually of Joe Yeah. Um, so, okay. Aaron, you're right. The logic's all wrong. The logic's wrong with this because it's like half a second later, Ula falls into the pit, which okay. underscores the point so there's a, that you're going to die <laughs> if you give a terrible performance. So they're going to be muted, right? Yeah. They're going to be like, <laughs> yeah, playing yeah. very tight. So, uh, yeah, I didn't like that at all. But so the next one, you, you referenced it here. The next is we have a new shot of Ula was added showing her getting up inside the Rancor's den and screaming. And that was that they actually used the actress from that played Ula in 1983. So Femi Taylor, I think his name is her name. Um, they actually used her, what, um, 15 some odd years later, um, reprise that. I actually didn't mind this. Um, however, I will say it's kind of like the Wampa problem I had last week where I didn't need it because we saw her go down in the pit and then you heard the scream, you knew what happened. You know, it's one of those, it's very, that Hitchcockian thing. But like today's point, it's like now we can actually, you know, show a little bit more. And so I, I didn't mind it, but I didn't need it. I like it just for the fact that uh, the the talking point that you mentioned that I know that talking point, it was on the internet. It was on like the message boards back then. Like if you want to learn what geek discourse was on the internet back in 1997, it, we were talking about Ula. Uh, the, the same actress came back and played her again. You know, um, it's like this fun little factoid. It's kind of a neat story that she, they got, they, they got her to come back and she did it. And um, so I like, I like it, I guess. Cause I like, I know the inside baseball side of it. So that's why mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. In terms of just adding that extra little scene, I'm kind of there with it. Like you said, it's not bad. There's, there's nothing wrong against it. Do I need it? No. Uh, 
it's interesting. I mean, it's amazing. Look, you know, I want to come back and be like, hey, yeah, 20 years from now, I still look as good as I did back then. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's not something that I'm going like, that change made the scene better. So we mentioned uh, this one a little bit earlier. Boba Fett is briefly shown flirting with uh, Reistel Sant at Jabba's palace and walking past Jabba. So a couple of Boba Fett shots here. Um, I mean, I know I railed on it. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bother me as much as other things. Um, it, but it was just kind of like, hey, we've got the Boba Fett costume. Let's just show more of him because everybody likes him. So I'm kind of meh on it. I'm not over the top. I'm not really ticked off by it i like the- it okay. yeah uh well one of the things that i like i like more boba fett um it pro- was better it- than him breaking the fourth wall in a new hope it was there was be- it was in better in return of the jedi than in a new hope because i didn't like it when boba fett stopped and turned and looked right into the camera here it's him being who Boba Fett probably was. Yeah, so keep going. I'm sorry. Not, well, none of us are Boba Fett stands or were, and now like we kind of like him more, I think, in light of what's happened with the Mandalorian. But um, I think like for people that were huge fans of his, just the fact that they got like a bone thrown their direction, uh, I liked that. I didn't, like it happened in A New Hope, and then again it happened here. Um, so... Yeah, I'm I'm in favor. I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it as well. Again, it's a, it's a small one, so it doesn't call too much attention. But I, I like the idea of, okay, you know, they're not just, like, we're not just seeing the characters on the clock when the camera's looking at them. This one more like a, hey, the camera took a shot and caught Boba Fett flirting right. with a backup singer. Okay, right. cool. That's the kind of thing uh, somebody like Boba Fett would be doing in Jabba's Palace, so... It's a small moment. It doesn't detract anything. And if you like him, a few more seconds with him is is to the good. All right. So how about subtitles to Jabba the Hutt have been added to the dialogue between Bausch and the latter when discussing the bounty for capturing Chewbacca, although C-3PO still interprets the conversation. I mean, did I need the subtitles? I mean, I, I, is there interpreting and this is one that just kind of makes me upset because I remember 10 year old Aaron did not have any problem. You know, you have Jabba going and then C3PO said, he said this. And I was like, okay, got it. You know, it was like, why, why do I need the subtitles now? So anyway. right. I don't know. It seems to be, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you've seen, have you guys seen spam a lot? The musical version of, um, of uh, Holy Grail. Yeah. Uh, the thing that drives me crazy is because one of the funniest lines in Holy Grail is when King Arthur says to God, oh, good, good idea, O Lord. And God says, well, of course it's a good idea. You know, we thought that was so damn funny as kids because we're walking around going, yeah, it's God. Of course he's got good ideas, you know? <laughs> and so in Spamalot, in the musical number, they they say, good idea, Lord. And he says, of course it's a good idea. I'm God. So they had to explain the joke to the American audience, apparently. You know, and I remember seeing this live going, you got to be kidding me. And so it's <laughs> it's like this. It's like, why do you put, did, I mean, were 10-year-olds really confused in 1983 and we had to put the subtitles in? No, they weren't. And I wasn't a Mensa student, you know, it's like, I don't know. Anyway, get off my lawn. Okay. Um, 
Dave. Dave. Meh. Yeah, you said. I remember you said meh. So okay. it didn't yeah. didn't yeah. make him as mad as me. Uh, <laughs> how about an added scene on Tatooine of a herd of banthas before heading to the pit of Carcoon? I was okay with this. Yeah, I guess I'd say like, like mad to like. Just it's a little bit more of like world building. Yeah, that's, that's unnecessary, but uh, it helps a little. So positive. Yeah, yeah, I, I liked it just because it added a bit to the idea of they're actually going in, you know, a bit away from Jabba's palace. This isn't just we all hopped up on the sail barge and. Went into the backyard. Just, yeah. yeah, exactly. We just drove around the block and there, the pit of Carcoon, you know, no, the actually there was a bit of this. But this is, and travel. this is one of those, this is one of those ads where it's not totally in your face, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, you know, it was from a distance. It, like, like Dave said, it's world building. It's, it's adding to the ambiance of, you know, of it, it was, it was very, it was just subtly done. It was well done. So, um, all right, now let's get into it. A revised version of the Sarlacc at the base of the Pit of Carcoon, which features a beak-like mouth and extra tentacles. It was the little shop of horrors. I remember thinking Feed that. Me see more. That's exact. I, I, so I am. I am not a fan of this at all. Okay, let me let me split it up. If okay. it was just the extra tentacles but no beak, would you have been okay? I would be fine. If it was, so it's yeah. the beak that's the issue. Actually, it's yeah, it's the beak. It's and the it's beak. the beak that makes all the noises. Well, I mean, because I, I guess I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. It, it, it just it reminded me too much of Little Shop of Horrors. It just I, I don't know. I again, it's like, does it make it that much more foreboding or threatening? I mean, that was an. It seemed like an awful thing in 1983 and i didn't i didn't think that they needed i mean the extra tentacles and moving around that's cool that's fine but i didn't i don't know so now i think it's just so what is it this is this is it this hand puppet that lives in a in a spiny hive or something i don't it's yeah i i don't know um so i'm not a fan fair uh counterpoint i like this and I think what what does it for me and why I like it is that it makes the threat a little more um, active instead of passive. Like the original Carcoon, if you fell in, you were dead. But the the tentacles were sort of a factor, but barely. Like it got Lando, and that was it, and then they got away. I feel like having the beak, like reaching for Lando in that one shot where the where the thing's like pulling him, yeah, in, it makes it a little bit more like Jaws, he, yeah. And he's like, it's like he's coming up after him. I, I felt like that added a lot, a little extra oomph to that. But when you that look at this, scene, when you look at I this like picture it. on Wikipedia, does it make though the Sarlacc look smaller? Because you know, mm-hmm. again, it it makes it seem like the Sarlacc is the thing that's coming out of the middle of all the spiny things. And I, and before I envisioned this huge beast underneath. So anyway, but you I mean, your point is well, well made Dave, that it, you're right. It does add a little bit more of a, the killer's coming to get you type of a element to it. 
I don't think it's perfect, but I, I, yeah, I, I, overall I like it. I also, but I, again, like you're saying, it's like its head is inside of its mouth. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> it's got its butt and it's got a mouth. No. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll split the well, we'll, we'll hit for the cycle. I'm going to go with meh for now. Because in 1997, watching this, I did not like it. And I think what I've come to realize is I like the idea of making the Sarlacc more immediately a threat. I think 1983, we just got a big hole in the ground that had some tentacles and burped. And I always thought that was the mouth. So seeing the beak kind of gave me a better representation of what it was. I just don't think the execution of the CGI came anywhere near where it needed to be. So, I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing with this is it's walking of the plank and it's not like you were walking the plank into the mouth of the Kraken. You know, if you're the pirates that you made them walk the plank and they just were, you left them in the ocean to drown and maybe a shark would get them, but it's probably, they're going to drown, you know? And so, yeah. um, Anyway, but uh, that's all right. So I think we have the, that's yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. It's it's a good point. Yeah. No, and and realistically, again, it goes back to, they try to add something extra into this. Whether or not it was necessary, again, that, that's the decision they made. I think it's the execution that makes that hurts it. Because you could have uh, designed any number of things for this thing and maybe made it more of a threat, made it, made it look better. I don't know. Maybe well, put more teeth. We're, we're still only on Tatooine, so let's, let's keep on pushing forward here. Um, when the skiff Han and Chewbacca are on is shot at from Jabba's barge, it now rocks to the side and forward rather than its original forward tilt. Heh. I'm just going to say meh because I meh. I mean that meh. that seems like somebody who's watched Return of the Jedi more than about anybody else in the world that noticed that. Um, some CGI ropes have been added around Han's ankles as he hangs onto the skiff by his feet. I thought it was Chewbacca that was hanging onto them. I always thought so yeah. too. yeah. No, Chewbacca's hanging on to him. I I mean, like, maybe there are ropes there. I've never noticed them, but just reading this kind of makes me angry. Yeah, I would agree with you. Because, like, you understand what's going on. He's he's dangling. Right. Chewie's trying to save him. He's trying to save uh, Lando. It's, you get it. There doesn't need to be ropes there. I I, I I don't get it. All right, so how about... In the original version, where Han is about to shoot the tentacle that is grabbing Lando, Han says, it's all right, trust me. In the special edition, Han says, it's all right, I can see a lot better. I See, see now, I remember the original saying, it's all right, trust me, I can see a lot better now. I, I heard a combination of that. I think they took a different take, that, mm-hmm. and I don't like the new, I, I don't like how the new one flows. I've always remembered, it's all right, I can see a lot better. I'm going to go with not liking this because I like the idea of it. It's all right. Trust me because of the characters. But, but again, you're talking... in, in the original though, it's, he, it's, it's a combination of both these things. So I'm mm-hmm. taking, I'm mm-hmm. taking issue with the Wikipedia's thing here. Cause right. I think, cause it's kind of, it, it, it tapers off at the end. It's all right. Trust me. I can see a lot better now. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you can barely hear it, but anyway, but I agree I with you. I, I like I, your thought I actually, there. Fredo. I actually think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you're just. I don't think you're making that up. I remember that as well. I wouldn't agree. I I think the line was there, but it was quiet. You can, like you said, you can barely hear it, and so it's like I can see a lot better. 
And so I think they've emphasized that line at the expense of the other line. Uh, ultimately, I don't really care too much. Some of the dialogue changes really bother me. This one doesn't bother me so much. So I'm meh, I guess. I'm going with it bothers me, but just a little bit because this is the first time Han and Lando are connected to one another for real since Bespin. And the fact is, you know, this is the first time, you know, what's Han's instinct is to save his friend. So when he says, it's all right, trust me. Well, and after he's asking his Lando, hosed him over, yeah. Exactly. The yeah. last thing I remember you doing, you know that I remembered you doing, was you turning me over to the Empire to get tortured and frozen. But it's okay. I'm going to forgive you. Here you go. Let me help you. So I always like the idea of that, particularly for these two characters, because the part of the their journey in Return of the Jedi is all about you know, finding that friendship again after everything that happened in Empire. Now I want to watch Solo again. <laughs> so the shot of Luke covering his damaged cybernetic hand with a glove was reshot in order to stay congruent with the reshot scenes in, America, in Empire Strikes Back. The damage in the original scene featured only blinking lights, whereas the new scene showcases shifting parts within the exposed artificial skin. I thought that's the way it always was from 1980. Maybe I've just seen the special edition too many times. Same here. So I'm going to go yeah. meh on this one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need to go like fire up the VCR and watch, you know, the original. You know, what's wild to me is like a change like that, right? We got to fix this thing because it's, it's wrong or it's broken. And people have pointed it out that we, so we got to fix it. And whereas so many of us are like, wait, it, uh, that was, <laughs> that was a problem. I don't, I don't, I don't, I never noticed that. I, I don't, I don't see how that was a problem. Of course, once you see it, then it, then it's in burned into your brain, you know, like the stormtrooper hitting his head, mm -hmm. uh, you know, coming into the control center. It's like. Ben Kenobi's lightsaber. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how I didn't see that for years and years and years, but then once you do see it, you can't see anything else. In the original version, a flight of four TIE fighters appear from behind the camera flying towards the Death Star and disappear a second before the scene changes to the Emperor's arrival. This is corrected and the fighters continue heading toward the Death Star. I'm going to say I, I don't I did I've never noticed this, but I'm this is one of those things I'm probably glad that they did fix it because I mean it's like yeah, I'm, that that seems to be a a fix that's worth doing. Yeah, particularly when you're talking about switching over from the analog style of a lot of the home videos to the digital. I mean, you had to probably fix it at that point otherwise everybody would be noticing them the disappearing tie fighters in Return of the Jedi now that we're into Blu-ray and digital streaming, so it probably would have stood out more. Yeah, uh, it, probably the right choice, but again, nothing that I'd ever noticed. So, now this next one's a deep cut. Mm -hmm. In the original, I'm gonna have to go watch this um, because I'd never picked up on this, and I feel like I should give back my. My music, music, my music my music degree in the original version as the Ewoks commence their counterattack two Ewoks play each of the first two melody lines of Aaron Copeland's fanfare for the common man on their horns in subsequent releases what the second Ewok is playing is replaced by the melody line 
of fanfare a whole step down from the other as heard later at the movie right before Luke makes a funeral pyre for his father's armor. It is not known whether this change was meant to avoid copyright issues and Copeland died before the 1997 special edition was made. Does the pa 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 Yeah, but that ain't um, fanfare for the common man. <laughs> That's fanfare what for the common man is bum, bum, bum. I mean so uh I don't, I don't know and that's this is uh well this I, is I the think, Ewok orchestra come on now you're and you're but you're talking also about three notes that are like in a certain intervallic relationship it's like I could pull out many songs it's like if you it, watch name that tune I can name that tune in three notes you play three notes fanfare for the common man no I'm sorry it's such and such you know uh, so I'm, I'm calling shenanigans on this one a little bit. I want to go, like I said, I want to fire up the VCR. I want to go listen to this and see if it's fanfare for the common man. But um, yeah, I don't know. So I'm not even going to rank this one. And then, so yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to skip by it because I'm going to call shenanigans. Homework. Yeah. As the, dis- uh, as with the destruction of the first death star, the second has been given a shockwave ring. I was fine with it. Once you made the decision to add it on the first one, you kind of had to add it for the second one. I did like that this one went across the horizontal plane as opposed to vertical, like they did for the first that song. So slightly different, but they 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 maintained the essence of that of the Death Star, the original explosion, because like you can see it kind of emanating from the center of the structure and then come out and then it blow apart. And I I just always loved the way that that blew up. I, we talked about this on mm-hmm. the other episode. Uh, yeah, it's they they pretty much retained all of that and then just added the ring on top of it. And so I'm okay with it. Which you know, one thing I always liked was the uh, visual effect of the explosion seen from the forest moon. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of like, okay, you can actually see, hey, exploded. Have you ever seen the? Uh... Well, I guess it was, um, I think it was probably Robot Chicken, wasn't it? When oh my the, God! Yeah, the, all the Death Star parts are falling down on and crushing Ewoks and setting Endor on fire. Um, well, we know where it ended up. All right, so That's speaking so of, um, at the end of the trilogy, after the Empire is defeated, I'm probably going to take, I'm going to take this in two chunks here because there are two changes here. One's probably going to be more, well, they're probably both controversial. At the end of the trilogy, after the Empire is defeated, Scenes of celebration on Endor, Bespin, Tatooine, and Coruscant are shown. Full stop. If you would have asked me prior to Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1, this would have ticked, this ticked me off a lot. I didn't like the ads at the end of this showing all those other things. But Mandalorian Season 2, when they show, um, when uh, Cobb Vanth is talking about, and they're all hanging there, basically watching the news, and they're showing the Death Star blow up, you know, that was, uh, this this doesn't bother me as much anymore. So I'm now at a meh, um, and, but it just, some of it just looks kind of bad. Now, Rise of Skywalker, dumb as hell. Anyway, go ahead. I like the idea a lot. We talk about it, the idea, the concept versus the execution, um, because like this is a, a galaxy wide conflict and we want it to show that scope 
and we want it, we want people to understand that so many people are affected by this thing and, and it needs to be just like all encompassing you get all that um it's kind of weird to show coruscant here and again a lot of us at the time were like we finally get to see coruscant um because we'd never seen it on on camera before um, so that was like this nice Easter egg for people, but then it was like, but, but how many, how many of the people, how many people were watching this going, what the hell is that place? Maybe you a know? lot. I yeah. Mean, um, but it, it underscores the problem, which is that we did not see Coruscant before now. No? <laughs> it's like that, that, that is a weakness of the original trilogy. It's like, well, we never saw the home world. Um, and I guess Lucas felt he couldn't because of budget and things like this, but but um, now in the context of having episode one, two, and three, by the time you get to six, it doesn't stick out as much. Yeah, now yeah. it now it works a lot better. I mean, it really does. Yeah. Um, but like in '97, yeah, this... on first watch, it was like, well, that's cool, but <laughs> we've never seen this place before. But again, it's how much work. how much that was R and D. You know, yeah. I guess I'll say for this one, I liked it. I mean, I like the idea. Again, like you're saying, galactic cons, galactic conflict. Uh, show that people were actually happy to see the empire go away. So that's good. I wish it would have actually been a bigger kind of moment. And I kind of get why they didn't make it a bigger moment. But if you're gonna show, okay, this is the reaction of the galaxy to the fall of the empire. Don't just give me a little snippet at a distance of of Mos Eisley and a little bit of distance of Bespin and hey there's a tiny little moment of course and where you can kind of sort of see the statue of Palpatine getting toppled like actually get in there and show me people celebrating people throwing you know down the statues and overrunning the imperial outposts and actually show me that people just you know took the opportunity to throw off the empire I think they could have gotten that you know because it's only what 10 seconds 20 seconds like, actually give me a couple of minutes and let me see people joining the rebellion at that moment. It would have been interesting to see it like that. All right. So, uh, controversy now. The Ewok celebration song, often referred to as Yub Nub, during the sequence has been replaced with an entirely new John Williams composition, Victory Celebration. I actually approve of this one. I like the Yub Nub song. I always thought it was goofy. From the minute I saw Return of the Jedi, I thought it was just kind of goofy. And this seems to be more, it seems to be more poignant, seems to be more reverent. You know, it's like, it's a heavy deal. Like, we just got done with the thing, you know. Um, so I actually approve of this one. I know I'm probably going to, like, have people now TP my house. So. <laughs> no, I actually agree with you. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Yub Nub. It is a $45 uh, drink at Olga's Cantina, just so you know. Uh, but it's also, uh, I like the idea. But at the same time... <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It sounds dirty, too. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 comes, it comes with Malibu pineapple rum. Because they have that in the Galaxy Far Far Away. Anyway, we're getting off track. Uh, regarding uh, the change to the Victor Sub, I think the music is much better. It's fitting the moment. Again, if you're looking at this as the grand finale, the final, like, okay, musical composition, 
this is the final moment where the music's going to crescendo or it's going to come down and we're going to end. To have it end on Yup Dub feels a bit like, huh, that's a weird one. So it, it seems a little of, bit like, you know, you know, you know, it just seemed, yeah. Yeah, it seemed kind of good. Whereas I think this one fits the moment a bit better. And that's why I also do wish we had gotten a longer moment around the galaxy seeing people uh, kind of thrown off the shackles because it would have given John Williams a chance to flex those muscles and just give us one final grand operatic moment. So. So but Dan, I know that you know ultimately it's it's not there because it's got to be a bit more pensive and more about the characters that we know and love. Dave, what'd you think? I'm really, really torn, and I think like the the fact that I'm so torn on this makes me think like they should have found a way to incorporate both. Maybe um, I I I just miss Yubnub a lot because it's such a great song and and we all loved it at the time um i like the new song i think it's more appropriate but um was there been a way to do both in some way you know talk about in clerks 2 when they're joking about how lord of the rings has like 47 endings you know like you could have done that in episode six because like they've earned it at that point um and so, like, it does still kind of feel a little abbreviated. Um, and maybe they could have gotten both. Maybe. No, I won't I play know. I won't play the whole thing. But what if they would have replaced it with this? Yub nub. You chop yub nub. I told me to be cheeky. Gnoop dog fling. Oh, ah. I guess I guess that's God telling us we're done watching that, but that that was just one of the that's just the one of the best versions of that song. So uh, maybe we'll put a link in the show uh, notes or something. But um, yeah, give give a shout out too. What's the name of the artist there? I ju- yeah, I just I just closed the tab. So um, well yeah, we'll 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 yeah we'll add him on Twitter. Um, you know, we've, we're kind of at time. So the rest of this stuff is kind of, I'm just going to, I mean, you got a few shots of Ewoks celebrating at bonfires with different musical instruments. The end celebration, a brief shot of Luke hugging Wedge Antilles. Um, there's the big one. James Earl Jones added to the end credits. Um, but here's the big one. Force ghost scene has been edited. In the original version, it was a medium shot of the ghosts of Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Yoda cut to a shot of Luke rejoining his friends and then another long shot of Anakin, Obi-Wan and Yoda in the special edition. The medium shot is split in two by the shot of Luke rejoining his friends. After the medium shot, there's another cut to Luke um, and then a cut to the long shot of ghost, but they didn't mention this is when is no, this, no, this isn't when they, after, oh, that's after that's with the that's blinking this, Ewoks. That, okay. No, that, 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 that's when they add, Hi, I made in Kristen. So yeah, that's Blu-ray. It's added for the DVDs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Blu-rays and DVDs when they come out in 2004. Right. Uh, yeah, okay. They, so yeah, we weren't we weren't up. That's right because we hadn't had the we hadn't had the uh, prequels yet. So we didn't have. Had not been cast yet. He was still. Man, we we're that's how much it affected. We all thought it was coming, didn't we? Because we we're all mm-hmm. getting ready. <laughs> but uh, so this one is not as uh, jarring as the uh, one that is to come with the Force Ghosts. Um, not at all. Real quick though, the, let's Christensen. let's let's talk about that though. Okay, so what do you guys think about adding Hayden Christensen as as the 
Force Ghost instead of Sebastian. Uh, Stan, no, Sebastian Shaw. Shaw, <laughs> other Sebastian. Um, I, I, I didn't like that concept because you know we saw Darth Vader with the helmet off, and that's the dude that Luke knew as his father. So it's it's the way I've I've said it before. It's like, you know, if if my dad was to come haunt me tonight, I have a feeling it wouldn't be my dad from 1963. It would be my dad that I recognized, you know, I mean, I don't know. This, this, it sounds kind of stupid. Luke never hmm. saw Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker. He saw old dude behind the helmet. So that's who he's going to see. Oh, that's why we don't see, why didn't they put you and McGregor instead of Alec Guinness, you know? Yeah, because I mean, ideally, the, the it's uh, the characters with whom he's had the closest bond through the story that Jedi are Ben Kenobi, not Obi Wan, Yoda, and at the end, his father, who's the the old dude he, you know, he sees when the Jedi sullies those beautiful black visage, or clerks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, that's uh, chasing Amy. That's chasing Amy. Thank, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. That's not correct. Uh, so. Uh, I don't necessarily know that I needed them to put Hayden. There, there are canonical ways to explain. Yes, Anakin Skywalker died when Darth Vader was born, blah, blah, blah. No, I, I like the idea that it was old man Anakin, force ghost Anakin, not young. Because otherwise, uh, Obi-Wan's got a boat to pick with. Why, why can't I be my young, suave self in 60 years prior? I think Hayden's an improvement over what we got originally, to be honest, because... What we got originally, it didn't line up. Like the guy, and I was, it was. I assume it was the same actor. I'm guessing it was the same actor. But he had like a head, a full head of hair, and he's in his Jedi robes, and he looked great. And I'm like, that's Who are you? not. That's not Who the same he? guy. <laughs> I guess the guy I saw well, fell in lava and was mangled and had scars and looked like Egghead. I mean, it was, was a pale. different guy. So like. You know, seven-year-old me who who saw this movie for the first time was like, "Who's that?" And it was always a "Who's that?" thing for years, and and so it, I don't think it worked. Um, I thought correcting it made sense. What they settled on, you can debate. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know if it makes sense. well. And again, it's sense. it's the idea versus execution. The execution was not good because they just put hey, I mean, because they got Hayden Christensen looking all creepy and like directly into the like you know i don't know it just he looks creepy um so um yeah fair yeah no like he's got his head down yeah right (laughs) (laughs) get off my case dad (laughs) so well those are the changes um for uh for the special edition um yeah uh guess we think they ruined Tatooine for the most part. Uh, well, no, I guess we're, we're kind of fit. We're, I think we're more upset about Empire Strikes Back than we were about Return of the Jedi, except for uh, Jedi Rocks, because um, that sucks. Um, but uh, <laughs> The horrible thing is this. A lot of the changes were at the time debated. I think Jedi Rocks was the one thing that from day one, everybody went, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. That and Han shot first. Yeah, of course, yes. yes. I think those are the two things that, that people just were like in violent revolt over were those, ugh, 
no, no. Well, um, but yeah, I and again, like I, to, you know, to the point of the fans, right, who have have been bothered by these these changes. I think like what's interesting going back and doing this exercise is like, well, which ones do stand out? Which ones are the ones that we remember? And it's the negative ones. It's not all the little positive changes, you know, like changing the mat lines around the tie fighters and the stuff like that. You know, it's no, it, or adding the exploding ring around the Death Star and, the, you know, these cosmetic changes that they thought were making a difference. Yeah, we're making the films better. Um, no, those are the things that don't stand out for people. It's the it's the negative things like Jedi Rocks and Han uh, Shot First. So let us know on uh, on Twitter what, or Facebook what you guys uh, think you know about some of these changes. You can talk about any of them, A New Hope, Empire, or uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, let us know. We'd like to get, hear your take on it. Um, anything else for the good of the order before we sign off? Next week is Bad Batch. Um, yeah, come back next week. We're gonna we're gonna review Bad Batch and maybe put it into context with some of the other animated series go. maybe aaron will give his rankings maybe yeah. one day or maybe i'll take it to my grave you never know <laughs> um but yeah like i said make sure you check us out on twitter and facebook and uh tell your friends about our podcast if you like it and um until then we will say who dat who dat and everybody have a great week my monkey. <laughs>